folks. What's up? Oh, yeah. Let's get ready to do this, everybody. Good morning. It is Friday, September 9th, 2022. This is episode 194 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Good morning, folks. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So what can you do about this? Why is it relevant to our industry? Or if you're looking to break into the industry, chef's kiss. They're going to ask you in the interview, how do you stay current on cybersecurity topics? And this right here is going to be your answer. You're absolutely going to slay that interview. All right. Now, before we get into it, shout out and thanks to this stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber Solution. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from uh, helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check us out. Check out Barricade Cyber at barricadecyber.com. Also, shout out to the stream's co-sponsor, Recon InfoSec, if your organization is large enough to have real cybersecurity concerns, but maybe not quite large enough to build a full-fledged SecOps capability from the ground up, check out the Managed Detection and Response, aka MDR, offering from Recon InfoSec. Their offering includes the people, the process, the technology. It's kind of a, a full solution. Needed to deliver full-spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. Check out the links in the show description below or hit uh, exclamation point sponsor, I think, and Nightbot will share that with you. Go check out their stuff. Uh, Barricade Cyber, obviously longtime sponsor and great, great incident response capability firm. Um, great brain power over there. Eric Taylor, you guys know him. And Recon InfoSec. Love Eric Capuano and the whole gang. Thanks for sponsoring the stream. Also, shout out and thanks to Joel Belton. Guys, I always throw Joel Belton's ice cream shop up as the straw man business that, uh, you know, we're going to attack or whatever. Guess what? We've gone global, baby. Joel Belton's ice cream shop's got merch. <laughs> so anyways, I'm repping Joel Belton's ice cream. Now, before we get into it, I do want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, like this one right here, is worth half a CPE. So two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up in chat, either team live, team replay, where are you at? Just say hi, ask a question, give an answer, whatever it is. As long as you're burned into the stream over here, over here, whoop, then any auditor is going to, you can point to it and say, check it out. I got this. Nailed it. All right. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks so much, Josh Mason, for the Nightbot chat. Love it. All right, guys, if you are live, love it. I see 68 uh, with the number growing quickly in here, 72. Um, love it. We're going to have a great Friday morning stream. Can't wait. If you're watching on replay, hashtag team replay in chat. Thanks for being here, catching it as you best can. Uh, obviously if you're on replay, you have the benefit of time travel. So if you're listening on, on your audio podcast app of choice, which we push this to right after the stream ends, uh, you can just hit the 30 second jump button a few times, get into the news. You can grab the slider if you're watching on YouTube and push it over either way. We're about to do pleasantries, which is what I love doing. Have a sip of the coffee, welcome people into chat, kind of get settled in before we dig in to the news of the day. 
And reminder, today is the final day of the Recon InfoSec Core Security Operations four-day SOC Analyst Immersive Training. If you're a SOC Analyst or you're looking to be one and you want training that is like next level space camp style, stay tuned because you're gonna get an opportunity to win. It's a $3,500 value and we're giving one away later on in the show. But for now, Woo! Let me move the script to the side. Let me grab my coffee. Hey, Miss Julian. Good to see you. Hey, Jordan Stroud. Da Dan Reardon in the house. Dan Reardon with some great meme action. Scott B. Sipping coffee. Cheers, my friend. I'm right there with you. Just a bite. Good morning. Hey, Dan. No, I will not be at B-Sides Nova. The next conferences that I'll be at are Wild West Hacking Fest, which I'm speaking at and super excited about. Um, B-Sides Charleston, South Carolina, which is in... November 19th, I believe. Um, and actually, next Wednesday, I'm speaking at Elevate IT in Houston, Texas. But I'm literally flying in Wednesday morning speaking and then flying out right after the engage like right after the speaking. So I won't even really be at the conference. I'll be there just to talk. Speaking of that, we have a guest broadcaster for next Wednesday because I will be on an airplane uh, during the briefing. Uh, so we've got a pinch hitter coming in. You guys all know... This pinch hitter, this pinch hitter has covered the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing in the past. No hints. It could be one of a few people. If you've been a longtime member of the Simply Cyber community, you know um, some of the, the usual suspects who, who can uh, come in and, and really deliver a wonderful morning briefing. Um, and we've got another one next Wednesday, so stay tuned for that. Hey, Anna Lynn, you're dang right. You're dang right, Anna. Yeah, Carl, Carl. Hey, Melina, yeah. Joel Belton's ice cream shop right here. Uh, two scoops and a breach. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ken Pryor, congratulations. Jay Smith. I, I missed the comment, Jay. Unfortunately, it kind of streamed past me. It could be Jax. It could be Jax Dan Reardon. We've got, we've got potentials. It could be Jax. Could be Josh Mason. Could be Eric Taylor. You guys will have to tune in on Wednesday, September 14th to see. Hey, Joel Belton. We sell ice cream and sell your data. That's right. That's right. I, as I was getting the news stories ready for today, there's a couple juicy ones in there. I think we're going to get the Sounders involved today. Uh, actually, some interesting follow-up, too, from some stories we covered earlier in the week. Oh, and <coughs> final... <coughs> excuse me. Jesus. Final reminder. Um, I'll cover it later in the show, too. Uh, if you want to get the actionable Intel Monday email in your inbox where I give you three distilled down pieces of actionable intel for three different audiences, end users, your peers, and your executives. Like literally, I spell out in all bold font exactly what you should do. Not Like there's no trying to figure out what you could do with it. I, it's literally spelt out. Uh, if you want to get on that email, go to uh, put exclamation point newsletter in chat right now and it'll send you a URL and you can go sign up for that. Once a week, Monday morning. Literally, what I want everybody to do is kick more butt uh, for the week on Monday in the first hour, then most people are going to get accomplished in the week. Uh, all while people are getting coffee and you're just like, Oh, I'm just dominating over here. Don't worry about me. Oh, I'm sorry. Like I thought, I thought I was hired to deliver value and excellence to this organization. That's just what I'm doing over here. What, what, do you, what are you guys doing? Okay. I'm going to go get a coffee because I've already done it. That's right. Salted hashes on Joel Belton's ice cream. Bill Green, my man. Thanks, Anna Lynn. I appreciate the newsletter. Love. 
Uh, Eric McLeod, you got to do exclamation point. Thank you, Jason Griffiths, for hooking him up. All right, guys. I, I, by the way, guys, I'm I'm like a man possessed with my my audio setup now. I've got like music going. I've got sliders. Uh, don't tell anyone that that, that the audio's uh, looking pretty good. Feeling money, feeling money. All right, guys, enough with the pleasantries. Let's get into the chat or the cyber news and uh, have a good time. Happy Friday, everyone. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Friday, September 9th, 2022. China accuses U.S. of cyber attacks and cyber espionage. On Monday, the Chinese National Computer Virus Emergency Response Center published a report co-authored by the private Chinese cybersecurity firm Kihu360 that accuses the U.S. National Security Agency, NSA, of conducting tens of thousands of malicious attacks on networks in China in recent years. This through the NSA's tailored access operations elite hacker unit. The attacks included a university that focuses on aeronautical and space research. The foreign ministry in Beijing stated, quote, We ask the U.S. to provide an explanation and urge them to immediately stop this illegal move. End quote. London. Okay, I mean, let's, let's, let's be real, guys. Like, this, this, this new uh, title, like, we are all fooling ourselves. Like, okay, like, listen. China, national power. United States, national power. First world powers, right? Like, we're fooling ourselves if we don't think that there's espionage going on back and forth, guys. Uh, and one thing that I, I do a good job, I, I personally feel like I make a conscious effort to do, when we talk about APTs, right? Like, you'll hear people say, oh, APT, and then they'll start ripping off examples. They'll be like, APT, Russia, China, North Korea, Typically, they stop right there because three is like a good number for a list. But they'll be like, if they really feeling froggy, they'll be like Iran, Pakistan, right? Maybe they throw in another one. Maybe. But, but no one ever really says APT, United States, Israel, Australia, right? England. And with all due respect, you know, we don't want to perceive ourselves as threat. But an APT, in my opinion, all an APT really is, is a sophisticated cyber capability that can be weaponized typically in an espionage fashion. That's all it is, right? So let's not be, let's not be um, aloof and, you know, obtuse about the fact that the United States NSA's TAO, the Tailored Access Operator Group, which is basically the NSA's red team, let's not be foolish that they're only doing um, like Boy Scout stuff and selling, and selling bad bake sales, right? Like they are our nation's, the NSA isn't part of the DOD, but for all intents and purposes, the way that the TAO is operationalized is very much in a military capability. So all of that is to say, like, yeah, China's accusing the U.S. of conducting espionage attacks. But like from the from the office of like not surprised comes two thumbs in this guy right here, because like, you know, obviously diplomacy, you know, you don't want to openly uh, attack anyone. Uh, but just the way that we know China, I think it's APT 41 is like China's like, you know, really sharp spear, um, cyber, uh, capability. 
right? Like we know that they're doing all these attacks all over the place. Like, so, and we haven't gone to war with them. So, you know, I don't know that this is continuing to shape up. And I said this on stream yesterday, and it's not really a hot take, but it is a little bit more politicized than what I like to get into. I like to focus on the cyber, but it, 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 things are kind of shaking out where there's like an us and them, <laughs> right? And this is just another kind of public, public element of us versus them. You know, Albania, NATO yesterday, like cutting off diplomacy with Iran, um, you know, China and Russia are kind of hooking each other up uh, with this Ukrainian thing. Like, there's there's large pieces on the chessboard being moved around. And I think that this is just another kind of public, um, uh, like, uh, effort around that. Like, oh, like, now we officially say that we know that you're attacking us and that it's bullcrap and we want you to explain ourselves. I don't think much will ever come of this, guys. I don't think much will ever come of this because attribution is very, very difficult. The NSA's TAO is very good at what they do. So they're definitely not logging in from like Fort Meade. You know what I mean? Like hacking naked. Like, come on. So anyways, long story short, this doesn't surprise me. I'd be stunned if the U.S. wasn't doing this, frankly. Uh, and it's not just like U.S. versus China. I'm sure U.S. is doing this in the U.S.'s best interests globally. Okay. Although they're never going to publicly come out and say that because it's espionage. That's what espionage is. It's stealing or getting access to information or manipulating information in a way that is not known to other people, right? That's why it's called information security. I know we call it cybersecurity because that's a cool term, but at its base, it's information security. Biggest bus operator hit by cyber incident. Newcastle-based transportation group Go Ahead this week shared a statement with the London Stock Exchange indicating unauthorized activity had been discovered on its network. Sky News reported that bus and driver rosters may have been impacted by the attack, which could disrupt operations. Go Ahead operates multiple services across England and is London's largest bus company, operating over 2,400 buses in the capital and employing more than 7,000 staff. The firm also operates several high-capacity rail services in the UK, including Great Northern, Thameslink, Gatwick Express and Southern. Okay, so... All right, couple things. And for all of my um, UK or British London people in chat right now, please chime in. I'll go back and look at chat. I'm sure chat will enjoy the conversation too. Uh, are you aware of this? Is this really a big deal in your part of the world? Um, you know, chip chip or pip pip and all that. Uh, cheerio. Um, I don't even know if that's derogatory. If it is, I apologize. Listen, here's my thing. London's biggest bus operator hit by incident, which is code for it's, it hasn't been qualified as ransomware yet, but it will be. All right. Here's my thing with this story. Yes, it sucks if major transportation gets hit, right? This, but in my opinion, post pandemic, a lot of people have already learned to work remotely or be flexible in work arrangements. Secondly, there's like Uber, there's taxi. Yeah. London's biggest bus operator. But there are alternative, there's contingencies naturally in place for transit travel and the ability to execute on work, right? So if the bus system goes down and I live in the country and I can't get my kids to daycare that day or I can't get to work that day because the bus is down, I feel like employers are going to understand like, okay, like you can't get there. Obviously, everybody in the country is screwed right now because the bus system's down. Like, let's, let's give it a few days and figure it out. So this, this totally sucks for them.
but I don't see like just thinking from a GRC perspective. Okay, you guys know. Hold on, I need a GRC sounder. Um, what's a good GRC sounder? Um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll do toasty for now. Listen, from a GRC perspective, I love, I love this story simply as a use case to illustrate the power and value of contingency planning. Right? You can't think of every conceivable scenario or else you'll you'll never make any forward progress but using threat modeling you can look at the most likely scenarios or the most impactful scenarios to your business or to your life or what to whatever you're analyzing and say okay listen if transit goes down transportation goes down how does that impact us let's talk through this scenario right the threat models there ransomware can get in like use case study uh, exhibit A. Okay, so if it goes down, what happens? Well, we, you know, we're screwed. We can't do anything. Well, maybe we need to consider remote work or alternative transit or sending hotspots to key personnel so they can get online from anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, work through it. And then, oh, by the way, you're like, well, how much would hotspots cost? Well, it's $50 a person. Well, we have 2,500 uh, critical people across the globe that we need to give hotspots to. Well, 2,500 times 50 is what? Uh, 50 grand. Is that right? No, 25. I, I chose bad math here. Uh, let's say it's $125,000, right? Okay. So 125 grand is what it's going to cost to get these people up and running uh, annually. What, what's it cost if this thing goes down and those 2,500 people can't get to work for a week? $2.5 million. Here's my check, uh, 125,000. Please distribute all these hotspots to everyone. And then obviously put in practice for maintenance and, and check-in and asset inventory and all that crap. But this is what GRC is. Yes, GRC for the win. Searchers reveal new Iranian threat group, APT-42. Threat intelligence firm Mandiant claims to have found at least 30 victims of APT-42, although it said the count is likely much higher given the group's, quote, high operational tempo, end quote. Based on its targeting patterns, Mandiant assessed with moderate confidence, their words, that it is operating on behalf of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps Intelligence Organization and poses a threat to foreign policy officials, commentators and journalists, particularly those in the U.S. and the U.K. and Israel, working on Iran-related projects. All right, hold on. Over it's not every day you get a new APT with a number. Um, it's not every day you get an APT-42, all right? Um, couple things here. Uh, all right, a couple things here. One, we talked yesterday about Al Albania pulling away diplomatically from Iran. Uh, I, I said, you know, Iran's a first world cyber capability. A lot of people don't know that or don't think of them or consider them, but they are. Um, they're running a lot of espionage. They're muddy water, guys, muddy water, static kitten. That isn't, that is uh, in Iranian APT threat actor, they target military, they target government, they target energy, uh, mostly in the Middle East, but they've been known to attack um, Europe, theater, and United States a little bit, right? So the fact that Mandian, who's kind of a big dog in the room, uh, identifies a, a new uh, APT and, and kind of attributes it to Iran is worth noting. Um, two things that I'm going to tell you here that are actionable. One, um, they said that it's specifically targeting uh, foreign policy officials, commentators, and journalists in the US, UK, and Israel. Okay, again, when I talk about this geopolitical theater and how it's sorting out for us and them, or one side and the other side, US, UK, Israel, 
is on one side, right? And then Iran, Russia, China seem to be on the other side. Again, I'm not, I'm not a geopolitical scientist. I'm not a political journalist or anything like that. So I'm just telling you what it looks like from my seat, not, you know, take what you can from that and do your own research. I just, I don't want to get flamed in comments about how I don't know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> I'm clearly laying out that I don't, I don't uh, know uh, well, but the actionable thing I want you to take away from this is that Mandiant assessed with moderate confidence, moderate confidence. What does that mean? What does moderate confidence mean? And how can we use confidence levels to deliver threat intelligence to decision makers? All right. I'm not going to be able to pull it up right now. Mods, uh, this is a, a, a puzzle challenge for you if you can. Uh, Robert Lee, who is famously known uh, for his industrial control system knowledge and Dragos, running Dragos, um, the company that's like basically called in for most incident response around ICS stuff. He has a blog post, and this is what I'm asking you guys to find if you can. He has a blog post on how to deliver threat intelligence briefings. And in the blog post, he actually spells out very prescriptively how you define those confidence levels, low, moderate, high. You do not want to bull You don't want to bull the confidence levels, right? You want to have confidence in the confidence levels you're giving because you need to be able to defend it because decision makers are making decisions based on the analysis. So you can have a low confidence report. It just means that maybe you have one source of intel or you have one source and one unconfirmed source or something like that, or you have two pieces of intel coming from one person or whatever. Um, and then as you get more information, you can increase the level of intel uh, confidence. Okay. So that Threat intelligence blog post by Robert Lee is excellent. And if, if a mod can pull it up, I'll drop it in chat. Uh, but anyways, that's, that's what I wanted to tell you about that. Like when you see something with moderate confidence, like to describe what that means, that's what it means. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah. So Justin Gold just sent me the link here. Let's, let's see if I can't do this really quickly because this is valuable. This is something you should not only read, but also blog, um, a bookmark. Okay. All right. Let's see. Blog. Um, of course. Yes. Okay. This is it right here. So if you go to, uh, Justin, can you drop this in chat, please? It, thank you. Uh, if you look at this, right, I know it's kind of an eye chart, but if you look at this, this is Robert Lee's blog. It's the second post from January 15th, 2022. He goes in here and it says, this is what I just told you, being precise in word usage. And he explains confidence levels and certainty and intelligence. Here's the confidence things I told you about. This here, here are the definitions for each of these confidence levels. This blog post alone is, is a, I don't want to say a masterclass in doing threat intelligence, but it is very, very valuable. Okay. Very valuable. I, I can't encourage you enough to read this. Um, and again, if you bust this out in an interview, <laughs> you're just going to like, people's minds will be blown. 80% of top websites leak user searches to advertisers. Security researchers at Norton Labs have found that roughly 8 out of 10 websites featuring a search bar will leak their visitors' search terms to online advertisers like Google, which carries the implication of breaching the user's privacy and leaking sensitive information to a network of third parties. These third parties, of course, would then use this data to deliver targeted advertisements or track user behavior on the web. This leaves users unable to estimate their exposure or stop its dissemination. 
Bleeping Computer points out, however, that while some websites may declare this practice in their user policy, visitors typically don't read these and assume that the information they enter on embedded search fields is isolated from big data brokers. All right, so Norton Labs doing a little bit of uh, research. They got the cool little graphic. Here's the deal. We, we just covered this privacy law in Maine yesterday. Uh, the, the, the maniacs, as they call themselves sometimes, Maine EX, would be rolling over in their uh, potato patches uh, about this, right? 80% of the top websites. So what does that mean? Like the top, whatever, a thousand websites based on traffic. I don't know. Uh, but 80%, so uh, a material amount, leak ser user searches to advertisers. Again, from the world, uh, uh, from the desk of like, not surprise comes two thumbs in this guy. Like, obviously, guys, like at this point, at this point, you have to assume like anything you type, anything you look at, anything you scroll on, anything you, anything you, anything <laughs> online, unless it is explicitly saying that it will like you will not be involved or you're using some type of um, like VPN into some weird, not weird, but some your VPN and into some you know, cloud-based solution, then launching like a brave browser and then using that in incognito mode and whatever, you're likely to have, um, you know, privacy data leakages, right? Because advertisers, it's where, the, it's where the money is. Follow the money. Straight cash, homie. That one was for you, Kimberly. Straight cash, homie. All right, guys, you got to follow the money, right? Uh, I do appreciate that Norton Labs did this. Looks like they did a little, uh, you know, uh, controlled research experiment where they were using the word jelly beans. Uh, and then tracking the word jelly beans around um, to see what was being pulled in. You can see um, they've got screenshots of um, the network traffic. Um, I, I don't recognize this this interface here. Um, it looks like kind of Burp Suite, but it's not Burp Suite, but it shows you the breakout. Maybe Wireshark, I don't know. Although it doesn't look like Wireshark either. Uh, anyways, they're showing you the, the data and then search term leakage. So the, the header, the URL, uh, payloads. I don't know. I like this is interesting, but not surprising. You know, I guess if you want to oh, see, they talk about brave search here, duck.go. If you want to have a little bit of an anonymity, this is a good idea, guys. I guess the one actionable thing you could do here is if you wanted to uh, make a security awareness module for your end users around privacy you may want to just share this information say hey did you know like basically anything you do online is tracked and um you know if you if you're interested in privacy uh you may want to know this and if you're not then just be mindful that they are tracking you i don't know let's do the read thanks to this week's episode sponsor sneak Developers want to code fast and security wants to ship securely, and they want to do it all from the cloud. That's why they both choose Sneak. Backed by industry-leading security intelligence, Sneak provides real-time scanning with automated fixes and remediation advice right from the tools and workflows developers use. Code, dependencies, containers, cloud environments, all of it. And while developers are building security, Sneak gives security teams a bird's eye view of all of their projects and cloud environments so they can prioritize and focus their efforts in the right places. Developer tested, security approved, start your free Sneak account at sneak.co slash cybersecurity. That's S-N-Y-K dot C-O slash cybersecurity. All right. Thank you for the read. 
real quick. So I want to share everybody. I want to thank all of you as I always enjoy doing. Thank you for being here. Thank you for contributing. I actually got a yesterday. Uh, if you guys caught the stream yesterday, you can do exclamation point OpSWAT to find out. We had Erfan Shaquille, who's the VP of Training and Certification from OpSWAT Academy, on stream yesterday for the live Thursday long form interview. Uh, dude delivered so much value. This uh, OpSWAT Academy is sick. But after he was done with the interview, we did a debrief, and he's like, I got to tell you, man. Like, your community is awesome. Like, really great questions, really nice people, really engaging. And I was like, yeah, that's uh, that's the Simply Cyber community. They're awesome. Like, welcome welcome aboard. Well, Like, I don't know if you didn't get the memo, but they've been awesome forever. So I want to say thank you to all of you. Uh, I really, really appreciate what we've built here. Now, let's do some raffling. Okay, guys. This is the final raffle. Go ahead and drop recon in chat right now to enter. We are giving away a um, uh, a four-day immersive SOC analyst training complements of recon infosec. You can see it is the core training. It's $3,500 value. It's a four-day combination of these two trainings that they're running. It's a single week of SecOps training. Individual analysts or teams can begin with foundations. It builds upon SecOps and incident response understanding. Um, it's guys, this thing is insane. I've done this. You use it, it's basically Space Camp. I can't explain it any other way. There's no lectures. There's no. There's no. There's no like classroom. Like you are dropped in to a sock with all the tooling. You do have mentoring and guidance, but you're on a team and you're actively under attack, and you are figuring it out you're using tools like velociraptor gray log os query um hive for the ticketing uh and you're you're fully up and running and it's they've got really great simulations built out so you get a nice taste of kind of the, the more uh realistic experiences that you would expect to get uh in a um in a sock so go ahead and drop recon in chat i see many of you doing this all right already we will do it at the end of the stream also, because it's Friday, we have Grayson's Joke of the Week, which I've got you guys uh, lined up. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why you guys are spelling recon backwards. Uh, I've got the Grayson Joke of the Day uh, coming up as well. So stay tuned for that and stay tuned for the raffle. Again, thanks so much to Recon InfoSec for sponsoring the stream and for uh, uh, offering the raffle prize. Let's get back into the news. U.S. government recovers $30 million from Axie Infinity hack. Crypto analytics firm Chainalysis announced Thursday it helped the U.S. government recover about $30 million stolen from Axie Infinity earlier this year. In a blog post, Aaron Plant from Chainalysis said law enforcement officials were able to recover the funds which were stolen by North Korea's Lazarus Group, a hacking entity tied to multiple crypto thefts over recent years. Plant said, quote, this marks the first time ever that cryptocurrency stolen by a North Korean hacking group has been seized and we're confident it won't be the last, end quote. Hackers had stolen over $600 million from Axie this past spring, laundering many of the proceeds through privacy mixer Tornado Cash. The U.S. Treasury Department later sanctioned Tornado Cash for facilitating money laundering. Dang, Steve Prentice, you stole my thunder. Okay, so check it out. Couple things. One, if you guys remember, Axie Infinity, um, they had their Ronin Bridge, whatever that means, um, 
uh, attacked in $600 million. It, it was reported different amounts, 540, 550, 600 was the most I ever heard. But let's round, let's round up for the sake of uh, easy math. $600 million. U.S. government, uh, Department of Treasury. Oh, well, okay, hold on. They said this in the story, but basically, uh, how does North Korea take that $600 million in cryptocurrency and actually operationalize it? You cannot buy ballistic missiles with crypto, as far as I know. You can't buy a lot of things with crypto. It has value, but only if you're able to use it as some type of currency, right? Right, Joe Belton's ice creams. They, like, yeah, you could spend $5 for, uh, you know, a double scoop, but Joel's not going to take, uh, you know, hopes and dreams and stuff like that. He's not taking exposure and opportunity in currency. No, he's taking cash money. Give me some Randy. Straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. So you need to convert this crypto, uh, stolen crypto into something. How do you do it? Well, part of it is getting it mixed through a mixer or blending service like Tornado Cash. Um, so you can basically take it out without attribution. Department of Treasury a couple weeks ago um, started sanctioning uh, Tornado Cash. We actually talked about like, oh, and like literally we said in, in stream, how the heck is U.S. Department of Treasury have any jurisdiction over North Korea using Tornado Cash to clean their money? Well, apparently looks like there was some hot action in the background because they were able to do the sanctioning and then probably get after tornado cash in some way or put in some type of tracking device. I don't know, but they were able to get 30 million back. Now I want to say, first of all, good on the U S government for, for getting this. I also want to point out if you do the math, this is only 2%. Now $30 million would change my life. I'm sure it would change many of our lives. Right. But when you steal 600 million and you get 30 million or you lose 600 million, you get 30 million back. Uh, it's 2%, right? It doesn't hurt. And it, it shows that the U S government has some capability to get money back. Right. We saw this with, um, we saw this with, um, what's it called? Uh, colonial pipeline. <laughs> uh, we should, uh, we saw this with colonial pipeline. And, you know, it's, it's kind of uncommon. I mean, part of the reason that criminals like cryptocurrency is because it, it, even though it's traceable, you can do all sorts of things to kind of, um, kind of obfuscate yourself from the money. So that's why they like it. Plus it's easier to transfer and all that. So long story short, uh, this is the beginning of, uh, being able to get this money back and kind of, um, negatively impact criminals, right? We talk in bigger picture, Ransomware threat actors are not going anywhere. We even saw an article last week on the show about how they interviewed some criminal, you know, discreetly. And the criminal said, listen, ransomware is not going anywhere. It's so good, the money and the risk is so low. Why would anyone not keep doing it? Like, we're going to go ham on, on this crypto uh, ransomware until, it, until it's not a good idea. If the U.S. government and other governments, I assume at some point soon can get money back somehow, probably interrupt transactions or pull money out of wallets, then you're starting to um, lower the value of the crime itself, which is ultimately going to result in less of the crime happening because there's less value for the criminals to execute on. This is great. This is great. You either got to round up the criminals and make examples of them, or you've got to make the crime not have value in them committing it, right? If you rob a bank and there's only like 80 bucks in the vault, what's the? why would you go rob the bank, right? So. This is uh this is pretty good. I'm I'm pretty happy. Um I'm pretty happy with it. All right. Looks like we've got another joke of the day. 
uh, from my good friend James McQuiggan. Uh, so we're going to have a double double feature on the jokes today. Speaking of Lazarus Group, they have also unleashed custom malware to spy on energy providers. According to Cisco Talos, the group is behind a new cyber espionage campaign whose goal is to steal data and trade secrets from energy providers across the U.S., Canada, and Japan. In research published Thursday, yesterday, Talos threat researchers said they observed malicious activity attributed to Lazarus Group between February and July. All of the intrusions began by exploiting Log4j vulnerabilities in VMware Horizon, followed by the deployment of one or more of three custom malware implants called V-Single, Yamabot, and Magic Rat. This is really interesting. Um, this is really interesting, okay? So what? It, why is this interesting to me? Okay, guys, Lazarus Group has notoriously been associated exclusively with financial gain, right? The 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 uh, the the old you know kind of easy way to explain it is that North Korea has really kind of three uh, advanced cyber departments, right? Think of them as like. Think of them as like departments in, in, in the business, right? You've got your marketing, your accounting, your finance. Well, they have three cyber departments. And Department A is responsible for spying on their citizens. Department B is responsible for spying on their adversaries. And Department C, Lazarus Group, is responsible for making cash money cash, for the country of North Korea, right? So like their, their, main, their main import for GDP... Um, is is stolen money right this axie infinity bridge the 600 million dollar thing we just talked about a second ago that was lazarus group funding the north korean regime so what's really interesting about this is that this looks like lazarus group's mission is being altered from financial gain to espionage which i find interesting now i get it if you have a need for espionage and you have this really great crew over here who's really good at doing cyber stuff you could adjust their focus but this isn't what lazarus group typically does so this is interesting to me because you're changing kind of part of not the ttps but really the mission of that apt so expanding it so it, it is curious to see uh, what's going on? Obviously, if you've got rats, remote access Trojans, which is basically uh, persistence mechanisms that allow anyone to kind of enter a box that's been compromised without having to go through any exploitation or anything. Uh, you don't want rats on the box, okay? The remote access Trojan, they're called rats. You don't want them on the box because not only can you, you know, jump into the box whenever you want, but you can also... Uh, do screenshots, data dumps, move laterally uh, in the network. So, like, basically think of it as, like, you know, uh, hold on. This is perfect. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Sure. I'm the captain now. Yeah. I own your box. I can do whatever I want. It's basically like having Lazarus Group have a box on your network, right? And if you have a flat network, which means you don't have network segmentation, you're even more screwed because they can literally run around wherever they want. Uh, so, interesting. If you do work in energy... Uh, be mindful. There's like another little kind of side story in here that's kind of interesting. Looks like the United States government has actually put out a $10 million bounty on North Korea uh, cyber crews. Uh, State Department announced in April a uh, $5 million one. It looks like they've bumped it up to $10 million. So, you know, straight cash, homie. Um, yeah. So, anyways, the, the heat's being turned up, okay? The heat's being turned up.
on North Korea. So, you know, be mindful. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Lazarus Group would be a very, um, of, of like, if, if, if the United States was somehow able to get members of Lazarus Group uh, in uh, under arrest and incarcerated or whatever, like, it would be front page news all over the place. It would be the lead story on the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, absolutely, um, because they're just so notorious uh, for their effectiveness. The Bangladeshi bank heist, the Axie Infinity Ronin Bridge attack, like, these guys are going YOLO on a level that's like, like, it's it's the pros, right? It's varsity level cybercrime. Um, so that's why it would be such a big deal. Classified NATO documents stolen from Portugal and sold on the dark web. The Armed Forces General Staff Agency of Portugal has suffered a cyber attack that allegedly allowed the theft of classified NATO documents, which were then sold on the dark web. The agency only realized they had suffered a cyber attack after hackers had posted samples of the stolen material, offering to sell them to interested individuals. American cyber intelligence agents noticed the sale of stolen documents and alerted the U.S. Embassy in Lisbon, which in turn warned the Portuguese government about the breach. Mm. Emergency. Not good. Not good, guys. Okay, so <laughs> if you're trying to measure the effectiveness of your cybersecurity program and you have some of your most sensitive data, your most sensitive information stolen, and you find out about it after because you see it for sale, you see it in the the Neiman Marcus display window as you're walking past it on the street, that's not good. You're not supposed to find out about breaches like with everybody else, right? So this this is not good. Obviously, um, you know, I'm, it sucks for NATO and for Portugal, but you may want to revisit. I mean, obviously the toothpaste is out of the tube, so you're not getting that back in there, but you may want to revisit uh, your detections, where you're keeping information. Um, this isn't uh, this isn't good, right? So again, even if they bought this information, even if they uh, brought down wherever this dark web is, like let's say it's Alpha Bay or whatever, even if they brought it down, the data is out there. It, you can't have any, you can have zero confidence that it has been copy and pasted, that it hasn't gotten the hands of your adversaries, that it can't be weaponized. We don't know what this data is, right? It could just be a, a manifest of like, whatever, like troop movements, or it could even be something as as, uh, as dangerous as like um, <coughs> a list of undercover agents who are like in the field, right? So that would be kind of the worst case scenario. Or it could just be like how much ice cream they're sending to a military base in Afghanistan, right? Compliments of Joel Belton's ice cream shop. So we don't know. So it's very difficult to measure the impact, but it's classified for a reason. All right. So uh, the TLDR for you guys that I would say with this particular story is, and this is a really difficult one to do. Again, GRC for the win. I, I need a GRC sounder. Like, GRC all over the place, guys. Here's the deal. When we talk information security, I'm going to go old school here and use information security instead of cybersecurity. When we're talking information security, one of the things that you really need to be mindful of, yes, it's wicked easy to copy and paste data. It's wicked convenient if you have it on a thumb drive or your home laptop or wherever, or if you work at Twitter and 300,000 people that work there or 30% of the workforce has copies of the source code on their laptops. Yeah, it's really easy, but Obviously, your risk exposure is super high and super unnecessary because in 2022, we have a high network bandwidth, so you're not going to have network latency issues. 
B, we have really nice cloud-based solutions that can do check-in, check-out. You can uh, compartmentalize stuff. You can change access. So here's the, the TLDR. As practitioners, one of the things that we really should be focused on, and this is not an easy thing to solve for, by the way, is information classification. Where is the information? What is its sensitivity level? And who needs access to it? Classified NATO documents, okay, for example, seems like a pretty high level of uh, classification, right? Classified. So maybe these documents are only accessible on one file server and the control to that file server is explicitly given to individuals, not to groups, for example. And OB, uh, like also, you're not allowed to uh, take it on a thumb drive. You're not allowed to burn it to a CD. You're not allowed to take it out, etc. cetera. Uh, anyways, I could go all day on about this, but it's 8.45. We are running a little late. My apologies to those people who I've promised a 45-minute lecture to, or a 45-minute briefing, but it is Friday. It is Joel Belton's ice cream. I've got jokes to give. We've got training to give away. Uh, so we're going to run a little over. Next message averted possible California power cuts. The message asked residents to limit energy use for three hours to cut the risk of power cuts being implemented. The California Independent System operator said it saw an immediate and significant drop in the use of power after the text was sent. The alert was issued after record temperatures put pressure on the state's electrical grid. The message, called a flex alert, was created to encourage users to conserve electricity when energy supply is at capacity. The alert targeted 24 counties, which included Los Angeles and the Bay Area because of high population and high air conditioning use. Awesome. Well, it just goes to show you not everybody is selfish. Um, California, base case, uh, any of my other California people, Nick Barker, I think you're up in the there, Poner Joe. Guys, it sucks. California is kind of falling apart right now, and it's like on fire also. Um, but this is a really great public opportunity, a public service opportunity to utilize emergency alert systems in order to help have just-in-time responses to emergent issues. Guys, th this is cool. One thing that I want to share with you to make this actionable for information security professionals is something that you might want to spend a little bit of time in. And if you're junior in your career, it's going to be harder to get this. But if you guys are mid-level or CISOs uh, or you're, you're you know, working at a smaller company and you have higher authority, you absolutely, absolutely should have access and opportunity to send a company-wide email. Don't abuse it, right? Or else you're going to, it's like the boy who cried wolf. Like you don't want to abuse it, but you need to have access to be able to send a massive blast in, in an emergency situation to notify people of something, right? Don't plug in USB drives or don't connect to the network or whatever, right? In, in direct response to some active incident, I'll tell you this, I worked for a $5 billion academic medical center at one point in my career. We had a really bad situation going on and we needed, it had to do with Emotet, okay? And we had to, like, it would have been hugely valuable to blast out to the 20,000 employees something specific, okay? We drafted it. That, like... The, the, the dog, this is fine. Emote is perfect right here. So please drop that in chat if you're a squad member. We draft this thing. It's, it's very succinct. It's very to the point. It's very helpful. Let's send it. Fire it off. 
Nope, it's got to go through communications. Do you know that we got message back from communications three days later with edits? We didn't even send it anymore because it didn't matter. We had already kind of worked around it. But my point is, you don't have time in emergency situations to go through comms for PR. Or like, it's just... The message was fine. It was going to do what it needed to do. It was an internal memo. All of this is a long way to say you should have this mechanism in place, whether it's a text message to everybody, whether it is an emergency all blast email, you should have this mechanism because when the time happens and you need to be able to communicate out immediately without having to go through any loopholes or any hurdles, you need to be able to do it. So this is just a, uh, oh God, Kimberly, the more you know, I need one of these overlays for the more you know. That's my goal for today. Uh, make sure that you have that mechanism in place. Talk to your CIO. Talk to your CEO if you have to. Don't abuse it. Talk to HR. Talk to comms. Uh, just put this mechanism in place so when you do need it, which hopefully you never do, but trust me, when you need it, you don't want to screw around. You want to be able to do it and go. All right. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right. I think that that, yes, yes, that looks like that's our total uh, for today. So let's get some, let's get some of this going. Yeah, guys, we finished strong. We finished strong. I flipped out about a nice all comms uh, message right at the end there. GRC for the win. A lot of heavy GRC action today. Guys, uh, let me tell a joke and then we'll do the raffle. Then I'll tell you another joke and then we'll high five and call it a day. Thanks for granting me grace with a couple extra um, minutes going over today. Guys, qu uh, joke of the day from Grayson. First joke because we got two coming First joke of the day from Grayson. Why did the Pelican get thrown out the restaurant? Why did the Pelican get thrown out the restaurant? While you guys uh, ponder that, I just want to remind everybody, go ahead and drop Recon in chat if you haven't already to enter the raffle as we give away Recon InfoSec four-day SOC analyst training, a $3,500 value. One of you, one of you listening right now is going to win this prize and it's going to feel awesome going into the weekend so why why did the why did the pelican get thrown out the restaurant because he had a huge bill he had a huge bill all right all right thank you so much to grayson for that uh for that joke i appreciate it appreciate it appreciate it thank you nathan volan all right let's go ahead and draw and then we'll we'll do one more joke from our good friend James McQuiggan, who's in chat right there. There he is, J James McQuiggan, arguably godfather of the dad joke. The man's got him for days. All right, here we go. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Good luck to everybody who entered. We're giving away the last recon infosec right now. Here we go. 103 eligible users. Best wishes to everybody. Casually, Joseph. Oh my God, Casually Joseph, you're going to love this, dude. He was just saying in chat the other day how much he would love to win this opportunity. Casually Joseph, congratulations, my friend. You are going to space camp. <laughs> you're going to Sock Analyst Space Camp, dude. Oh, that's so great. Way to go. Way to go, Casually Joseph. Hit me up, DMs. Um, Archangel was yesterday's winner. We got, got Archangel all straightened out. Casually Joseph. What do you mean, yo, what? You won, my friend. You're going to Sock Analyst Space Camp. Sick. 
All right. Way to go. All right, guys. Final joke of the day. This one's coming in hot. Coming in hot right right to the to the to the mobiles here. Here we go, guys. Why? <laughs> why uh why shouldn't you get a degree in history? Why shouldn't you get a degree in history? Hey Shane Prevost, thanks for the squad membership. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you. Love it. Guys, why shouldn't you get a degree in history? Holler at me. Again, while you guys are doing that, exclamation point newsletter in chat. If you want to get the Monday morning, um, if you want to get the Monday morning uh, newsletter, hot action, hot value, very easy read, 90 second skimmable article that gives you actionable intel on how you can operationalize information and kick like basically instead of saying a bunch of big words this email comes into your inbox before you get to work on monday and before people get their coffee you are already kicking butt at work that's what this email does for you okay i write it i send it and by the way if you signed up and you're not getting it i know enough a couple people said it um check your spam filters and stuff like that it does come from like a news uh, like a distribution source so sometimes it gets flagged for that way all right. The reason that you shouldn't get a degree in history is because there's no future in it. Oh. <laughs> Thank you so much to James McQuiggan and Grayson for the jokes of the day. Thank you to Recon Infosec for, for the wonderful uh, raffle prizes throughout the week. Congratulations to our winners, Archangel, Casually Joseph, IDK, um, I forget all the other winners, but there were five. They're going together uh, to Sock Analyst Space Camp. Love it, love it, love it. Guys, thank you so much. I hope you had a great weekend. I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks. We'll see everybody on Monday morning at 8 a.m. Um, oh, yeah, and just so you guys know, I'm going to be streaming World of Haiku gameplays starting uh, next Monday. So, I'll tell you guys about that on Monday morning, uh, but it'll be four o'clock Eastern time on Monday as well. So uh, that's a, it's like a new, it's a new show that I'm starting. Okay. You guys know that every once in a while I try out new shows and stuff like that. So that's what we're doing. Let's plays. Have a great weekend, everybody. Be good. Be good to each other. Thank you so much. We, we crushed another week. Cheers.